Welcome in to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's Monday. It's Victory Monday. It's football and random things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Jared Stansbury, Jeff Woody. Jeff, we had to see a classic on Saturday at Jack Trash Stadium. Iowa State with a 24-21 win over number eight, Oklahoma State. What do you think? What were your impressions? About as, know, the general takeaway was that was about as well played of a game as, as two teams could have played together. You know, like you think about the Iowa state Baylor game and there are some pretty substantial mistakes on both sides and one team ends up winning. Well, this one was like, no one made it. The only mistakes, the flat out mistakes that I can think of are the, for Iowa state, the Shaw drop. Uh, I thought that the penalty, which Williams and Bloom talked about on their pod at a, at a pretty good amount. So we'll just, we'll breeze by it. It was dumb, but that call it a mistake. Uh, and then for Oklahoma state, the low snap that Sanders dropped, which led to a Will McDonald suplex, that one, uh, that was a mistake. And then they had a couple drop passes on bubbles, but really, yeah, you call a, um, a, I don't know, missed tackle here, or there, but for the most part, it was just good, solid defense, good, solid offense. And there's not, I mean, one team won, the other team didn't lose. Yeah. That was just a really good, clean game. And, uh, I think to, when those when you get those kinds of games like it it's going to come down to in the end which team is going to have a guy who can make a play to win you the football game and uh i mean it it comes down to somebody's got to step up and get something done you know not that oklahoma mm-hmm. state didn't have people to step up and get something done like spencer sanders made some big time plays uh dude that brennan presley that guy's a dog the the receiver that was a- the, the vertical on that? Yeah. That was nuts. Yeah. And he is not very tall. Like that, I mean, I'm sure that he can dunk with ease and he looks like he's about six foot one. But it just all came down to uh, someone's got to get something done, you know. And uh, luckily for Iowa State, the man who wears number 15, who is now 14 and one as the starting quarterback at Jack Trice Stadium against Big 12 teams, uh, Jeff. Brock Purdy walked in and pulled his pants down and said, I've got something to throw on the table here and we're going to win this football game. It's a pretty, that's a pretty disgusting metaphor. Well, I don't care. I don't care. It's a little, it's really I don't care. Literal. That's what happened. That's what happened. That was, it wasn't like a metaphorical. It seems just super descriptive. And I don't know. Well, I, I could have been more descriptive, but there might be children listening. So I don't want to use those words. Uh, yeah. Okay. The, the fun part about, I mean, not, not including body parts that don't need to get talked about. Uh, the fun part about Saturday was Oklahoma state had a very clear game plan an exceptionally clear game plan. They also had a really cool way about doing it. This, which is something that, uh, I will, for those that watch the, uh, Sci-Hawk game day on Saturday on WITV five, 1030 AM. Uh, if you, I will, break down one of the plays from Saturday because they, they just did it. It was a very unique, very cool way of going about run stopping, but they also had their safeties at about seven yards for the majority of, especially the first half. And they had number nine, that linebacker was kind of a float player where they were trying to put him based on game film. They're trying to put him in positions where he is going to be a hindrance to the run game. That was basically his job is just mess with Brees Hall. And then their safeties are going to clean up whatever they possibly can. So you have basically nine guys at any one given point whose almost sole job was to tackle number 28. And when that happened, they said, 
okay, we don't think that your receivers are going to beat our man coverage. And we don't think that your quarterback is going to be able to get it to him on time. Those two things are our bets is that if we tackle 28, 15, won't get it to anybody else in the time in enough yardage and enough points to beat us. And that did not work out as a positive strategy, but it's a good attack strategy. It's something the teams will likely try and do in the future, because at least for the first half, I mean, I've stayed at seven points in the first half that that is most times going to be a, a winning recipe is if you hold a team to one score in the first half, but by the time they got to the second half and they'd seen it enough, you get number eight in space and that does not end well for most people. Uh, I'm asking for my friends at Kansas. What are the odds that you win a game? If you hold a team to zero points in first, in the first half, they break every rule. Kansas breaks every rule. Including the idea that you should like make money off of your football games and not just allow <laughs> people to walk in the door. <laughs> they just wanted to win, man. It's that's like a free sample. It's like a free sample. The one time that you have that you make a really good, you know, you're a bakery. One time you make a really good batch of bagels and you just you you think that you can make more, but you're not hundred percent sure, you just give that shit away. You just give it to anybody you possibly can. You know that here, please try this bagel. It's awesome. I will make more bagels at some point in the future. I just want you to try it. This is them trying to give the public a bagel, which was we can compete and almost win against Oklahoma. Do you, I don't know that I've seen a better version of uh, counting your chickens before they hatch in college football this season. What Kansas was counting their chickens and they had fun, many chickens. They wanted the court. They wanted the field storm to not be as, as it, what it has been. Uh, they, it, fun story. So my grandparents used to live in Lawrence. They lived down and they retired South. Um, but they used to live in Topeka actually. And so I went to, uh, it was the, the, the Iowa state game when Hakeem just mossed everybody the whole time. It was that game. And I went down to that game and we were just going to buy tickets at the gate. <laughs> and we, we parked there, which parking remarkably easy at the football stadium in Lawrence, remarkably easy. And then you walk to the stadium and you're by the ticket gate and there's just a guy who had already bought more tickets than he wanted. Cause he got them from like work. And he goes, I got two free tickets. You want them? <laughs> gives us two free tickets right next to the ticket booth. And the ticket booth person's like, yeah, there's some free tickets. And we just walk in and they're terrible seats. They're like on the 10 yard line on the Kansas sideline. <laughs> so we walk in and mind you, I'm wearing my Iowa state stuff. So right. it's not like I'm hiding my fandom. Too bad the place was packed and I'm sure you couldn't find better seats. <laughs> so we walk in to the Kansas side just to see where the seats were. Cause you know, it says like section W whatever. And I don't right. know. And so to see where the section is, I'm like, these suck. And we just walked in cause it's a horseshoe. We just walked the same length of stands the whole way. We didn't even have to come down for the stairs cause of how the place was constructed and where the seats were. So we just walked all the way around and got 50 yard line seats about halfway up to watch the game and nobody else was around us. It was wonderful. So Kansas, they're, they're known for just giving away stuff. So I digress away from my Kansas's absurd story to say that Oklahoma is not very good. Uh, and I want to claim an, I was right token. Do we have those? Do we have, do we have an, I was right token. We'll, Can I have we'll, those? We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Later I, on. I was right token. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a, I was right token. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kansas, the only place I've ever been that it's harder to get into the, into campus for a basketball game than it is for a football game. But uh, all right. 
what were you even talking about? Oh yeah. We held uh, how Oklahoma state held him to seven points. Um, but man, like the thing I'll give Oklahoma state, the, that had worked against Iowa state previously. I mean, this is, it really was no different, right. And it really was no different from what Oklahoma state had done to them the last two years. More yeah, or less. Well, and the early in the season, it was the Iowa blueprint. It was let's stop. Let's not let 28 do what he wants to do. And 15 is going to give you the ball. Well, this is a different 15 than it was at the start of the season. Um, I also think it's a different Xavier Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Charlie Kohler has been Charlie. We, I mean, he is the best. I don't care what the NFL draft prospects say. And I bet those will upturn and don't look at those right now. Cause it doesn't matter. Uh, but he's got to be the best receiving tight end in the country when it comes to contested catches. And so if you're going to that one where he just Pat Mahomes street balled it basically underhanded back across his body, never do that. Don't ever young kids watching quarterback. Don't do that. I think that was a design play. I tried to tell you that. I, I think that he, because they rolled two offensive linemen out in front of him. And I mean, I don't know that Tom Manning would like to see him throw it back across his body the way that he did, but like the, both the routes were run that way. And then you had the two offensive linemen who were kind of like escorting him out there on that rollout. I don't know that that was like, it was designed to be that way. It just probably got a little bit loosey goosey there at the end of the play. I'm guessing that was just read number two or read number three or whatever. It was, it's, it's an option on the play. It's probably not the play because if you're rolling out to the front, then you have, I don't know who is out there, but let's call it uh, X was the other guy going out there. Okay. So X, but if you're on the front side, it's a much easier throw. It lets the running, the runner stay in motion. Uh, what just keep do that. It's mm-hmm. what happened with Jared Russ when they, they booted out there. You always throw it front side. So I'm guessing that he had the option because it's Brock and they trust him that we're going to run Charlie on the back side of this as a relief valve. If everybody overplays it to the boot side. And I'm guessing they had a back an option. He wasn't option one. No. That would be an absurd play. If he was option one, I mean, creative and absurd, or I guess different adjectives to describe the same thing, but that, I don't think I was on purpose, but uh, regardless, beside the point, X had, that is the, that type of wide receiver performance is different than what we have seen in the past. I mean, that he's really good and he's pleased had good plays here. there, like the Oklahoma game last year where he takes that slant, basically the same play did against OSU on Saturday, take that slant, outrun everybody. Cause you're the fastest dude in the field. You're going to, you know, house that house that, but, but he hasn't had a, Hakeem or Allen, this dude is taking over the game. End of story. He hasn't had that game until Saturday where you now have to, it's not shoot. We got to, we got to take care of 88. We got to take care of 28. And then we'll hope that eight doesn't have a good game. If, if he plays like he did on Saturday, which is a really high level, I don't not say that he can't, but I don't think the expectation should be 12 receptions for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Let's not expect that that's going to be a thing every week. Not even but David Bell can do to, that. Yeah. Not even David Bell can do that. Uh, but if, if he, if you can expect that type of level against man coverage, which is what, again, Oklahoma state wants to major in man coverage. They want to bring a ton of pressure, bring a lot of blitzes. They have, they play a technically a four, two, five. So four defensive linemen, two linebackers, five DBs, but Number nine, again, he's that like X factor. His first name is Brock something or other, but or, anyway, but number nine for Oklahoma state plays like a, a sort of Vaughn Miller defensive end where he's kind of a defensive end, but he's kind of a linebacker. So it's really like a three and a half, three and a half, five. 
And that flexibility is really interesting. And so they want to be able to bring pressure with those with of the seven guys that are up front, defensive linemen and linebackers, they want to bring five of them. They don't care where it's coming from. They want to bring five and they want to make it. So your offensive line has to make a decision of who to block. And you're going to probably get a one-on-one somewhere and then win that one-on-one and your quarterback's got three seconds to get rid of it. And I can stay man coverage for three seconds. That's more or less the scheme that they like to employ. And they're just really creative with how they get there. Well, if X can beat man coverage outside, well, shoot, man, you can't bring five. You have to bring, you have to keep one of those safeties back. And then you have to still have to double, double cover number 88. So you got to send one of your linebackers to 88. So it pulls a guy out of the blitz. Like you have to make a decision then because your run game is really strong. Duh. Your interior passing game with Charlie and chase really strong. And now Jared Russ, when you get to, too focused on one thing. And then if you have that guy and Jalen Noel I, is still coming on as a slot receiver that kind of flexes between there. If, but if, if eight does that and can beat man coverage, that is that the Achilles heel of defense that teams have been able to play against Iowa state again, see Iowa that, you can, you can man up, you can man up Iowa state. And that has been the game plan in the past. But when Brock plays like that and X plays like that, there's really, it's a really hard way. It's a really hard decision. Now, how do you go about stopping this offense? If they are both playing, if, if that group is playing like it was on Saturday, how do you go about stopping or slowing down this offense? I, I told you this yesterday when I was rewatching the game, and it's kind of, it might be a little scandalous. Some, I'm sure some people out there would be, it, it would in disagreement with me, but I think X is every bit as good or, or better than Allen and Hakeem were. The reason I say that is he has the consistency and the reliability that Allen did while having some of the game breaking explosiveness that Hakeem did not like he doesn't have like either one of them, like at the level that those guys did, but he has enough of both of them that he's like a combination of those two guys. He's just not like six, eight, like what Hakeem was. Yeah. Well, and he's does it completely different, you know, completely different. Right. It's, it's Mike Evans, you know, Tampa Bay, you have Mike Evans who is, the Hakeem and Allen role. He's just kind of the pinnacle example mm-hmm. of that Hakeem and Allen, big wide receiver role. And then you have the Antonio Brown position, which is what X is sort of like where he's an outside receiver that plays faster than most other players are going to exist. And the sure handedness that he has now come into, and has always kind of been there, but is now the reliability. You better believe that, that Brock feels comfortable throwing in pressure situations to Xavier Hutchinson just as much as he does to Charlie after what you saw on Saturday. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just, I, I was just so impressed with Brock because in Oklahoma state has done a, a better job than anybody else of being able to make him uncomfortable consistently. And it never really seemed like he was uncomfortable. He like, he got sacked where Brees missed on a, a blitz coming through and the guy basically grabbed him by the neck and threw him to the ground. And he still got up the next play and looked like he was comfortable in the pocket. Mm. And like, yeah, we have not seen that kind of stuff from Brock before. It's nice. Again, I would say Kansas state into Oklahoma state. That is, uh, we said it after, you know, we said it on Monday, uh, a week ago, that's the team we expected to see this year. We saw it again. We saw Oklahoma state, the, the, the Iowa state that played Oklahoma state, the Iowa state that played Kansas state is the Iowa state team that we expected which held the preseason number seven ranking, which 
uh, again, I, I mean, all credit, I think the best team that I've seen, the two best teams in the conference that I've seen play played on Saturday. And those games were probably the best two games that teams had played, except maybe when Texas dropped 70 on Texas tech, maybe that one, but outside of that, there have not been two teams that have that played more consistent, complimentary mistake-free football that you have to then beat them. That was a, that was a, just a really solid game. Um, and you know, the, again, thinking about the Iowa state team that we expected to see coming into the year, the expectations that we had for the Iowa state team coming into the year are, yeah, I mean, you want playoff was what the conversation was talking about before, but everything short of that is still there. Yeah. And you're still, I would say if you're going to bet, not you as you talking to you listener, if one theoretically were to bet on the favorite, the team, if you had, that's going to win out all the way through, is it going to be Oklahoma state? Is it going to be Baylor? Is it going to be Oklahoma? Is it going to be Iowa state? The road that each one of those teams has to go through, I'd say Baylor, Oklahoma state and Iowa state are relatively similar in difficulty. Uh, cause Baylor's already played Oklahoma state. Iowa state's already played Oklahoma state. Uh, Oklahoma state has already, or Oklahoma has not played any of them. And mm -hmm. Iowa state's played Oklahoma state and Baylor. So really of those to play each other, Iowa state still only has, Iowa state only has Oklahoma left. Oklahoma state only has Oklahoma left and Baylor has only Oklahoma left, but Oklahoma has all three. And so you have, they have to go through that gauntlet. And again, I'm, 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 I'm not letting you escape this. I was right token. I'm going to get my, I was right token. When we talked last week, or he was, I think it was on the radio show. Oklahoma is the favorite. I think they just have to be because they're undefeated and they're named Oklahoma. And you watched them play on Saturday and it's Kansas. You can almost kind of check a little bit of that into a fluke because it's Kansas. And that is as dead of an environment as you can have. And a team that uh, usually relies a little bit more on momentum, that's hard for a team to kind of get up for a place in, I mean, it's like playing a high school stadium, but at the same time, that game was made substantially worse because of two things. And they both are in the quarterback room in Oklahoma. The first one is it's a dead environment. In order to overcome a dead environment, you need to have leadership. Leadership has to come at least partly from the quarterback room. It is inescapable because they call the plays. They set, they make the decisions. You have to have leadership at the quarterback position, at least partly. Right now, Oklahoma's room consists of two guys. The first one is Rattler. Rattler is not a character guy. He might not be a, he, I'm not saying he's going to go out and like commit a crime, but he's not a guy that you want to get behind. He's not a guy that you go, I really like this guy you know, look at Brock Purdy, look at Spencer Sanders. You, there are guys that you see the interaction they have with their, their teammates on the sideline. You see the way that he, they carry themselves. Those two are, if they were playing poorly, they would still be in the game because you need their attitude on the field. Spencer Rattler is not that. So he is not a leader and he's also a backup. Now he's probably detracting from that because he's a self that's his, his MO is selfishness. Again, I don't know him just, but that's the outside looking in the second player that you have is a true freshman now who's played a total of 10 quarters. So you have true freshman who's still trying to figure it out. And you have a guy who's probably detracting from leadership. That's not leadership. So you don't have anyone that can get you up. So a team that's not necessarily ready to play or a team that's going to face adversity doesn't have a leadership position on the offensive side to say, this is what we're doing. Let's lock in and go. The second thing that has, that is a, a, working against Oklahoma outside of their just innate schedule is the thing we talked about, which is 
quarterbacks, defensive coaches scheme against quarterbacks. They scheme against what you like. They scheme against what you don't like or scheme for what you don't like. They look through the film and they say, this is a thing that causes them problems. This is a thing that makes him make bad decisions. This is a thing that makes him uncomfortable. Let's do a lot of that. Well, in the first, in the Texas game, true freshman quarterback, you have no idea where he's coming from. You have just high school game film, which doesn't count. And he probably tore up with, he's a playing at Oklahoma. He probably tore up high school. So nothing you can take from there. You also don't have any like spring practice that you can take. So Texas is going in completely blind. TCU, their defense is just terrible. So let's just take that for a second. But they also only have the second half of Texas when you're coming back from a 27-point deficit. So that's not a realistic game situation. So they don't even have game film, and they also don't have necessarily the dudes to execute it. Now, Kansas is coming off now of having at least six quarters of understanding something about Caleb Williams. And you know what they determined? He doesn't like to stand and throw. It's the Spencer Sanders approach. That's what Iowa state did to Oklahoma state, which is rush with a balanced rush. You're not trying to force him off a spot like you do with Tom Brady or with an immobile quarterback. You're trying to keep him in the pocket. Cause that dude loves street ball and let him play street ball. He's going to tear you apart, make him stand and throw on rhythm. He's going to get squirmy and uncomfortable. So Kansas, the same team that we saw completely forget how to run cover two against Iowa state figured out how uncomfortable to make Caleb Williams. All right. Well, who does we all expected just like we all expect. Yeah. Just the Jayhawks, the defensive powerhouse, Kansas, man, our entire hour was just after the Kansas game was that might be the worst team I've ever seen. And that team managed to at least find a way to make Caleb Williams uncomfortable. Shout out to Lance, shout out to Lance Leipold. Apparently. Yeah. Hey man, they're getting better, I guess. Uh, but now who does Kansas state finish with is I, I think they have tech maybe or something like that to, to in, in the next week, but Kansas? they finish. Are you talking about Kansas? No, Oklahoma. Oh, uh, yeah. They've got, um, tech this week and, and then, then Baylor. They finish Baylor, Iowa state, Oklahoma state. So Oklahoma, those three teams are going to build on each other. And they're also going to have film now of TCU full game. Texas second half, but you can almost throw out because the weird game situations, but you'd have TCU, Kansas and Texas tech. You'd have three full games of what he does and doesn't like. And you, then you tee up Dave Aranda and say, all right, Dave, take what you know and make them uncomfortable. And then John Haycock gets to watch those three games plus whatever Aranda gets to come up with. And then Oklahoma state gets to watch what Aranda comes up with and what Haycock comes up with. And then they get to throw it at him. So I, this is all to say, I think Iowa state and Oklahoma state are the two teams that are in the biggest driver's seat to get to the big 12 championship because of what is going on in Oklahoma's quarterback room. And that was exposed or brought to light against Kansas. Is it fixable? Yes. Lincoln Riley is the best quarterbacks offensive coach in the country. However, you can't change personalities in like a month. So I I'm just the game on Saturday was as two the two probably best teams in the conference playing their best game against each other. Uh, all right. Let's take a really quick break. And then when we come back, I've got a couple other things I want to say uh, about the game on Saturday before we uh, move on here on Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Welcome back into Football and Random Things here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Uh, one other shout out I wanted to give about the Iowa State offense. Uh, 
Tom Manning, I thought had a really interesting day on Saturday. Uh, some creativity from the Iowa state offense that maybe we hadn't seen a ton of so far this year. Um, I, the tight end screen that they ran on the first fourth down that they tried to go for, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of it in the moment. Once I saw it again on film, it was like one block away from actually working for a, you know, good enough game to be able to get them the first down. Uh, but I thought there were some new wrinkles that they threw in there that we hadn't seen from them yet so far this year. Well, I think the thing that was the, the wrinkles all boil down to one, one major point, which is they think Brock is comfortable enough to make a lot of decisions. Now is before they, in the Iowa game, the end of the Iowa game, they pulled him because he was too, he was in his own head. He was so buried in his own expectations that he couldn't choose the things that he needed to choose. It's kind of paralyzed by decision. Well, he's gotten out of that now. And so now you have, yeah, that, that pitch to Charlie, you also have every of those little curl out routes, which they probably ran seven of them, seven or eight of those, whether it's to Tariq or whether it's to X or whether it's to Jalen Noel, those are all audible, just throw it. If you got it type situations. And the, they were able to kind of, I don't know. They were able to push Oklahoma state back because they gave Brock choice. And so when you just set up and you go, I'm a defense, this is what I'm running. And this is where we're lining up. Every defense has a shortfall. You just have to find it. You have to have the time to find it. You have to recognize what it is. Once you recognize what it is, you have to know where the weaknesses are. And then once you have the weaknesses and you know where they're going to be, then you just have to have the time and confidence to actually get it there. But Brock has the time and confidence to get it to wherever he's going to be. And so the wrinkles they threw in those RPOs, those, the, the getting the ball to Charlie, those all sit and they sift through Brock's brain. They don't just get, they don't get told down to say like, yeah, the only one that you maybe consider that is the, the throwback pass. They were going to do with Brees, who made a good decision to not throw it back to Brock. But most of those decisions go through Brock Purdy's eyes. They go through his brain. They say, all right, if there is, if there's this, then throw this. If this guy goes here, then run here. There's always this kind of check and balance. And when you have a guy who, I don't know, the basketball equivalent to the way Brock is playing is a lot like Monte in Iowa State's heyday, where it's not that he is himself being the dominant player. That's your Matt, that's your Naz, that's your George. But Monte is that everything runs through his eyes and he's setting up George for that corner three because he's getting the offense in the right position. He's getting, you know, wh whatever that the Jamil McKay, he's getting him a big dunk because of something else. Well, he X had that big touchdown run that got called back because Brock diagnosed where it was. He got himself in a position to read who he needed to read and then deliver the ball right on target, right on the money, let X run with it. There was another, uh, th this isn't necessarily Brock, but the, another play that just has, it's the same play that they ran. It's just with a slightly different look. This is more of a Manning thing and a Brock thing, which is why I'm thinking of it. One thing that I, as I was watching the Tariq Milton play that got him down to the four or five yard line ish, yeah. where Shout it was kind of a slant. He was Shout out to Tariq huh? Milton. Shout yeah. out to Tariq Milton. He hasn't played very much this year. And for him to make a big catch like that was pretty cool. And he's made, he made a couple, he's kind of filling in in the positions where he needs to fill in. But, uh, in order for that play to, in order for that play to work and you're running a quick slant on RPO, that has to be a, a timing and rhythm thing. And if the corner and Oklahoma state likes to have inside leverage, but when they don't, then you can run a, a slant against them. Oklahoma state didn't have inside leverage there. Oklahoma, excuse me, Oklahoma state had inside leverage where Tariq was lined up. 
So they ran just like a little five or six yard motion. They snapped it right when he was, I don't know, five yards from where he started. The corner can't just like haul ass and get maintain his inside leverage. Cause all of a sudden you give up the outside and it's a fade for a touchdown. So he's got to play head up to almost a little outside on the little baby motion. Once you get that little baby motion to get inside leverage, that slant becomes really easy. If the run fake holds a linebacker and that little baby motion without it, that play doesn't work, but you put all those little tiny details together. And that's where this offense is clicking because Brock knows where everything is and he knows where the coordination is going to be, where the leverages are going to be, where the availability is. So yeah, it's, it's efficient and it's consistent, which are two things that I think if Matt Campbell were to describe his ideal offense, it's efficient and consistent. Uh, all right. We got a couple more things we got to get here before we can, uh, before we can wrap this up. Um, what do you think of the Iowa State defense? Oh, actually, first thing before we switch to the defense, struggles on for uh, on uh, short yardage. Got had yeah. tr- had trouble getting the ball into the end zone there uh, the first time that they got down to ultimately score a touchdown on fourth down. Uh, we've seen them have those struggles a couple times this year. It's weird because it shouldn't be the case. You have enough big bodies, but I think if I were to peg down why they're having difficulty in these super uber short yardage situations, uh, or at least in some games, in some games, it's really easy. I mean, how many touchdowns has Brees run for inside Mm -hmm. of a yard or how many first downs he converted? I think you also Uh, have to give like that, the one on that Oklahoma state got where they made him run four plays down there. You have to give some credit to some guys making some plays. Malcolm Rodriguez is a freaking dog, dude. The uh, number 20, the linebacker for them. He is a badass. And like the, four-time state champion wrestler yeah. yes breeze tried to jump over him one time uh that i think it was the second down play down there and the Got dude hit him in the like hit him right in the waist and drove him backwards and i was like double oh, leg pure double leg okay yeah so it's like that that was un- unreal but you could hear okay, the so oof, i think the two oof when when the guy hit him when <laughs> breeze fell backwards yeah. on tv that was, that's where you stand up and you act like it didn't hurt but it totally did uh So, okay. So the two reasons that I would say, uh, that are probably the case are partly in personnel and partly in, uh, not necessarily having a look. So Colin Newell is the smartest, might be the smartest player outside of Charlie on the roster, a really sharp guy, but he's not, he's, he, he works because he's a technician and he works because he is able to get everybody in the right spot but he's also, he's not a mauler. He's not a guy where like downing to his left is you put any human being in front of him and say, all right, you push each other backwards and whoever wins, Colin's going to push that guy forward. Just a strength mauler guy. That is him. Well, Newell isn't that. And anytime that you have uh, a center who is not necessarily going to move the point of attack and either get pushed backwards or just stalemate, short yardage situations, which I would say I'm relatively familiar with, it requires just getting some kind of angle and just getting enough of the backside of one of your offensive linemen, not the side of your offensive lineman to be able to kind of get some kind of leverage all the way through. So it's in partly in the fact that Newell's not that he he's not that guy to move everybody right away. It's just not his game. And I think the second thing is they just haven't found a set that allows their personnel to maximize what they want to do. 
And I think they've become almost, a, I don't want to say a little predictable in that they're going to run the ball to 28. It's third and one. They're going to give it to 28. So like a quarterback sneak, because the whole Newell thing, it kind of doesn't work that well. They also don't go under center that much. So that exchange is kind of risky. So I wouldn't really want to go under center too much. So you don't have a, a, a look that gives it a balanced potential where I could throw it to Xavier Hutchinson. You don't, I'm, I might not, but I at least have to have the risk that you can't have 11 guys run at number 28 and expect that you're going to bring them down. Well, th there is some kind of look that you can maybe find that almost gives the illusion of balance. And then you have the capacity to beat eight guys instead of beating 11 guys. So I think there's, they just haven't found, I mean, you look the very first game, they have that seven offensive linemen set that they're trying to get in the goal in the red, in the end zone. That didn't work necessarily. They have this, uh, the kind of almost an ACE with, so two tight ends on, and you have two tight ends that are kind of sitting just off the ball and Brees is back there. That's almost, that's another look that you're trying to do. That look didn't really give you the angles you want. So I would imagine what they're going to probably find is if you get Xavier who has a really good man beating skills out and you get Charlie who has good man beating skills out, then it at least clears some of the bodies away that you can then get an angle with a guard or whatever for Brees or Jirel Brock or Jared Russ or Brock uh, or Brock Purdy to just put a shoulder in somebody's hip and just drive somewhere. So I think it's yeah a combination of personnel and a combination of, they just haven't found a look that gives them the angles they really need to get some kind of something going. All right. I know you got to go. So we got two more things we got to tackle really quick. First things I want your quick thoughts on Iowa state's defense on Saturday. And then we'll talk about West Virginia briefly. I assume young is a dude is that's the, I mean, the takeaway is just generally really good, but, and uh, I assume young, it, it, we saw what Jalen Warren would, would do when he would hit somebody. And then we saw what I assume young would do when you hit Jalen Warren, which is Jalen Warren wins against everybody, including Mike Rose. Now, granted, I think he got a, I don't know what the actual injury was, but it's called a stinger, stinger. or something. Yeah. So yeah, you, you drive, that doesn't happen. You don't drive Mike Rose backwards, but number one hits you and you return to what, from whence you came. It was, you go the other direction and that is <laughs> just super impressive. Uh, also it's funny. Any Wazirike said that he knows when, uh, Aishim hits somebody because it sounds different than everybody else. <laughs> yeah. It's, it doesn't have like a, re a resounding, like thud. And then kind of, there's like some crackles where like the pads are sliding on each other. You just have like one quick, just boom, thud mm -hmm. down. That's it. There's one hit and it's done. Uh, yeah, he's at, he's just a missile. Um, Will McDonald's the best pass rusher in the conference, potentially the best pass rusher in the country. Uh, if you get into a pass rush situation, the second sack that he got in the consecutive sacks, the first one was a, a bobbled that one. Anybody it's it, it kind of throw it out the window. He was just the one that got there. The second one, when he's getting held, getting horse collared and still not only did he didn't like trip Spencer Sanders, he got a solid hit on Spencer Sanders waist after being hogtied. That is an unreal athletic play. Uh, and then Awazarike has made himself a substantial amount of money, I think, by coming back this year because he has developed a lot of pass rush moves. So you've got two dominant pass rushers. You have a safety that is the, one of the bigger hitters. That second corner still, it's not that it's a, it's, it's not bad. It's just not an A plus like the rest of the defense is. It's like an A minus, whether it's TJ Tampa or, or Daytron, excuse me, Daytron Young. So you got, I don't know. It, 
two best defenses in the conference played on Saturday and the two best defenses in the conference played like the two best defenses in the conference. It's just solid, solid football all the way around. And all also right. again, shout out to Mike Rose because you could tell he was in pain mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. All right. Thoughts on uh, West Virginia. Can I, can I, I don't want to sound too like arrogant or cocky, but it Morgantown's a hard place to play. We know that that's, that's true. But I watched West Virginia TCU and I've watched a couple of West Virginia games earlier. There's nothing really that gives me a lot of, a lot of, a lot of concern. Just if, if Iowa state continues to play like they did against Kansas state and against Oklahoma state, I feel like the game will progress a lot like the Kansas state game did where it becomes a vice grip that you're not really going to get out of if, if Iowa state does it the right way, because Oklahoma or excuse me, West Virginia has Daigie is up and down. Letty Brown is a, is a really good running back, but outside of that, they don't really have a lot of offensive firepower. So you're not, it's not like you're playing against even a team like TCU, who's got bad defense, which West Virginia's defense is at least average. You have maybe it's bad defense, but a, you know, Max Duggan can make stuff happen. I don't think West Virginia has that same explosion. Even Skylar Thompson. I don't think they have that same kind of explosiveness or consistency in being able to drive something. So as long as Iowa state doesn't hand the ball back, whether it's in turnovers or in special teams or something else that that happens, if they don't turn the ball back, I feel like this game runs a lot like Kansas state of just starting from the opening bell. The better team is Iowa state and they're going to just march their way towards a comfortable win. All right, man. I know you got to go. So uh, we'll talk to you again on the pregame show on Friday. And um, thanks for your analysis. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll uh, talk to you guys again next week here on Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network.